isn't it awesome to realize that God can make new things from old? With each passing birthday, I'm more appreciative of that. But it's a bigger deal than an age issue. It's a bigger deal than a new address. Because what God does in us and desires to do for us is something new. But to take who we are and what we are and where we are and make something new. Now, sometimes we have the feeling that I like things the way they are. Some of you don't want anything to change in the house, right? You don't want the furniture rearranged. You don't want the remote placed on the left side instead of the right side. You don't want the cabinets rearranged. I mean, after all, it's fine the way it is. Why mess with it? <laughs> now, there is not a right or wrong on that. There are those of us who are also schizophrenic when it comes to this. We like certain things to always stay the same and other stuff we're going, great, let's try something new, which drives those who don't want anything new crazy. But what I'm appreciative of and what that song talked about is that God not only can, but desires to keep bringing something new out of us by bringing new into us through him through his Holy Spirit. And one of the phrases that Scripture tells us, and the Scripture we're looking at this morning is in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, Psalm 61. And I invite you with your Bibles or your Bible on your devices to take a look there. But one of the phrases that is used often for who God is and to describe who he is, is that he is the rock. Now, the neat thing about that is to realize that when we refer to God as the rock, we're not talking about Dwayne Johnson. As awesome as he may or may not be, if you have no idea who that is, when you get home today, ask somebody who knows how to to Google it for you, and you can look that up. But God being the rock, the beauty of this is to know that he is enough, as we said a few times last week. And not only is he enough, but that he is enough, not just for us, but for everyone. But the key to all of this is to make sure we know how to get to the rock. And what we're looking at this morning is getting to the rock. Uh, Jody and I lived in, and our kids lived in North Carolina um, for a little while, a couple of years, and my brother lived near there. It was one of the few times in our lifetime that we lived within minutes of each other. And we enjoyed camping at that time. Now, I said at that time. Today, I would prefer glamping to camping or Holiday Inn or one of those places is a beautiful place to camp out, in my opinion. 
But we went with the tents, and in fact, there was a place they loved to go, and so they took us there and showed us. It was, in a, it was on a lake. Actually, it was in the lake. There was an island. And you took a boat out to the island, and you set up camp, and that was your place for as long as you were there. And it was enjoyable at that time. Sleeping on the ground today does not appeal to me. But one of the unique place things about this location was not just the beauty of the water, but there were mountains around it. And there was one place in particular that was just called the Big Rock. And it was kind of a, a big cliff, and it was rocks all the way up there. And it was just a neat place to see. And so my brother had told me about that. And so we all got in the boat, and we, you know, trekked our way over there and showed it. And I said, I mean, obviously people have been up there. How do you get up there? He said, well, I can show you. So parked the boat and we swam over to shore. And I still had no idea how to get there. And he said, follow me. And so we started this path all over the place and around and under rocks and trees and finally came out to an opening at the top. And we were standing on the top of the big rock looking out at the lake and everything else and the boat that was down there that didn't look very big at that point. But you see, if he would have just stopped the boat and said, go for it, I may or may not have made it to the top of the rock. I needed somebody who had already been there to show me the way. In fact, the best way was I simply followed his footsteps to know step here, don't step here, to get there. This morning, my prayer for our time together and looking in God's word is that you'll follow the one who has been there. In fact, the one who is the rock, who says, this is the path, come on. Who shows you where to step and where to avoid. To get to him who is our refuge our salvation, and our strength. So take a look with me. Psalm 61, beginning at verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O oh God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Hear my cry, O oh God. In case you needed a reminder, let me give it to you on why we need to get to the rock. The scripture is about as clear as can be. In verse two, it says, from the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. We need to get to the rock because our heart is faint and overwhelmed. Anybody felt that way anytime this week? A little faint-hearted? A little overwhelmed by life and circumstances, either for yourself or for those you know and love. 
What's interesting in doing a word study on this is another word picture for a faint heart is a heart covered with darkness. Not speaking of sin, but just being overwhelmed and overshadowed. To just be covered. To see no way out. Talked with a lot of people in recent weeks who have described themselves with very similar words. Tired. Faint-hearted. Wondering if they should give up. Being overwhelmed with the darkness they were facing. Another reason, though, that we need to go to the rock is because he is greater. Greater than what? Yes. He's greater than whatever you're facing. He's greater than us. He's greater than all the self-help things. He's greater than anything and everything, including the struggles and the things that overwhelm us. We go to him because he is greater. As the scripture tells us, more than one place, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Sometimes we need to be reminded, don't we? Of just how great he is. Like we kept pounding at last Sunday that God is enough. He's enough because he's greater than whatever you're facing. You go, you don't know what I'm facing. You are exactly right, but I do know that he's greater than that. We all are facing things that others know nothing about. And God is still greater. And that's what drives us with that need to get to the rock that is higher than us. The psalmist describes the rock several occasions. But the first one that I came across in preparation of this was in Psalm 18.2. In referring to God, it said, my rock and my fortress my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I don't know about you, but that encourages me to realize that the God who created me is greater than everything. That the one who calls me to himself, who provided for my salvation, has forgiven me can not only be my fortress, but my deliverer. Not just my rock, but my refuge, my stronghold, the strength that I don't have. There have been um, too many times in the last two weeks since having a hip replaced. By the way, I don't recommend doing it unless you need to. But if you need to, I highly recommend it. But one of the things that I have not enjoyed in the last two weeks is how much I've had to depend on other people. Now, I don't consider myself a control freak. Jody, don't say anything. <laughs> However, <laughs> in the last two weeks, I've realized I may not be a control freak, but I don't like not having control.
to need to depend. Isn't it time we just admitted it? We need him. We're not smart enough, strong enough, or wise enough for all the things we face. But he is, and he has offered himself, given himself for us. To recognize he is our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, <laughs> the one in whom we can take refuge and shelter. So how do we get there? The path to get to the rock, the one who is greater than us, who's higher than us. How do we get there? The first thing is go ahead and cry out. For a couple of days here, we have uh, our daughters and their families and the grandkids. And that means there are five granddaughters and one grandson. The tone in the home has changed considerably. And I'm not talking about volume. Well, I am talking about volume, but not just volume. The tone is different. It's a little higher pitch. It's a little more constant. As the cousins are together, they're having a great time. But it has been elevated. Oh, it's wonderful. This too shall pass. They have no problem crying out when they feel they have a need or if someone is in their way. <laughs> and as I listened to that, I thought, you know what? That fits with this passage. We need to have no shame in crying out. Help. We need to have no shame in crying out and saying, Lord, I don't know the way. We need to have no shame in crying out, Lord, I don't know how to get there. I can't do this on my own. We need to go ahead and cry out. Verse 1, hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. Verse 2, from the end of the earth, I call to you. Sometimes we just need to cry. Whether you're a tearful person or not, there are times that we just need to cry out. God can handle that. We need to cry from the soul. A literal definition of the word we interpret as cry in this passage, one of the word pictures is a shrill lament. That higher tone and pitch that is lamenting, crying out, moaning and groaning, if you will. Sometimes that's the only appropriate prayer. Now it means I admit I'm not in control. It means I admit I can't do this on my own. It means I admit I need help. I think about three different people in the last three weeks that have spoken to me about things they were going through. 
and have said, Pastor, I have no trouble praying this for somebody else, but I'm struggling to pray it for my own need. We do, don't we? And yet, to get to the rock, we've got to cry out. The second part of the path to the rock is to pray through those tears. To pray. Verse 1, listen to my prayer. Praying. Not just saying we're praying, but actually praying. The neat and beautiful thing is that God can hear our hearts, not just our words. I want to make sure you understand that. God can hear our hearts, not just our words. He hears our intent, where sometimes we mess the words up, right? Ever said it and then saw the reaction to somebody and went, no, 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 that's not what I meant. Ever sent the text and had it misunderstood? Only if you've ever texted somebody once. But God not only reads, hears, and sees our words that we are crying out to him, but he hears our heart. That may be one of the most beautiful pictures of who God is that you can find. Is that he hears your heart. Not just what you say. That picture of God leaning in and listening to our cry. Not because he's hard of hearing that he's leaning in, but because he wants to hear what is hard for you to say. God can interpret even our tears, Scripture tells us. He can interpret our groans and even our anger. Talk about something we have trouble admitting, that we're angry, that we're ticked off at something, especially to admit that to God. <laughs> but the, the irony of that is God already knows. So you may as well confess it. I don't like this. God, help me. He can hear your heart, not just your words. So pray from your heart. Sometimes that's, Lord, I don't even know what to ask for in this prayer. But here's the need. He understands. He can hear that. So go ahead and cry out. Pray through the tears and then recognize the power of the rock. On that lake in North Carolina, it was easy to recognize the power and strength of that rock. No way could we do anything to harm it. But it could harm us. No way could we ignore it because it was huge. We need to recognize, admit the power of the rock. Verse 3, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower 
against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Part of the power of the rock is those that have gone before us. I've shared many times of the blessing I have and the generations in my family going before me who were followers of Christ. I don't take that lightly or for granted or certainly try not to. But it's a beautiful heritage, but we all have to pick it up for ourselves. And the scripture says in verse 5, you've given me the heritage of those who fear your name. There are others who've gone before you. It doesn't have to have been in your family because you're part of the family of God. There are others who've gone before you and we inherit, we accept that heritage of others who feared God, who've gone to the rock and we need to depend on that. The reason I followed my brother is I trusted him. Well, not in everything, but in that. And I knew he had been there before. So I simply followed his steps. In recognizing the power of the rock, he knew where to go. So I simply followed that. And we need to recognize the power of the rock for those things that are overwhelming our soul. That are making us feel like we're covered with darkness. That makes our heart feel faint. Because he is the rock of our salvation and our refuge. To take refuge, to be protected, sheltered, and feel safe. Now it's amazing the things that make us feel safe that logically don't make us safe. When you were a kid and you heard strange noises, you simply pulled the sheet over your head and you were protected. It made no logical sense. That sheet wasn't going to stop much of anything. But it felt like it was shelter. To have someone you know and trust who you know loves you wrap their arms around you and hold on. Taking refuge. One of the things I prayed often this week was that many of you would literally, as well as figuratively, feel God's arms come around you. Not a distant, powerful God, but an intimate, personal, and powerful God. Like crawling up onto the lap of grandpa or grandma, or mom or dad, big brother or big sister, when you were afraid and just having them hold you gave you shelter and refuge. That's who our God is. That's what he desires to do for you. And not just for you, but for those you know who are going through things that is overwhelming to them right now. Not to divide, but to gather. And then, 
We need to learn to dwell. We don't do this well. Verse 4, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. To dwell somewhere. It's not a word we use much anymore. I talked about this several weeks ago. And we don't call our addresses our dwelling usually. Now in some of the legal language, it's listed that way. It's a dwelling, but I don't hear too many people ask, where do you dwell they ask where I live or where my, what my address is. I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me where I dwell. Want to have some fun this week? Do that to some people. Just watch their reaction. Maybe videotape it and we'll put a montage together. Now, it might not be legal. Don't do that. Where do you dwell? We need to learn how to dwell and then make sure we're dwelling in the right place. How well do you dwell? You go, I can't even answer that because I don't know what that means. Well, let me help you. Another word we can use that's often used in its place in Scripture is the word abide. To abide somewhere. To abide with someone. That word abide is a powerful word. The word picture and the image of it is to take up residence and settle in. Moving is a big deal. Right? Now, some of you go, I've only moved once in my life. I can't relate to you at all. <laughs> We've done it several times. But it's a big deal. Many of you have been praying for our son-in-law and daughter, Seth and Kendra, as they're moving to New York to plant, help plant a, a new church there. And they're literally moving right now. The truck's sitting in front of our house. So let me just dispel any rumors that anybody wondered with the moving truck sitting in front of the parsonage. If you notice, the car that's being towed has Iowa plates, not Illinois plates, and it's pointed toward New York. It's not us. Right now, <laughs> right now they have no dwelling. <laughs> well, that's not true. Our house and that truck, I guess. But to move is a big deal. And what it means is to get somewhere, take up residence, and then settle in. One of the frustrating things, if you've ever moved, is to have people two days after you've moved to say, so are you settled yet? I haven't even unpacked the boxes yet. In fact, one of the keys in a move and settling in is when those boxes are unpacked, crushed or burned, and taken out of the house. Because now you are settling in. Too many of us come to God with our boxes still packed instead of settling in with him dwelling and abiding. We want to keep those boxes, even if we emptied them, just in case we need them soon. God says, come on in. The psalmist said, let me dwell in your tent forever. 
It's a permanent residence to abide, to take up residence and settle in. Not to be lazy, not to do anything, but that this is my place in his presence. This rock is my place. So therefore, you need to make it your living residence. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Make it your living residence, not just your forwarding address. Make it where you actually live, not just a show place, but a place of daily living which includes our struggles. It's a place for us to put our mark. To say this is home in his presence. Because his presence is wherever you are. So recognize it. One of the pastors that I communicate with often, and especially every Sunday morning, we communicate back and forth to encourage and pray for one another. One of my things that I texted to him this morning was praying that he would just dwell in the Lord today, that he would feel God's presence and his smile upon him. There are a lot of places we go to for a visit Some of them are intended to be short. Hospitals. I say often a hospital is a great place to go to get well, a lousy place to rest. You don't go there for rest. You go to get something fixed. That's not your dwelling. It's not intended to be. But in God's presence, on that rock, that's intended to be our dwelling place. This has been all over the place this morning, and it's how it's felt studying all week. My prayer has been that God centers it exactly where you need it. So let me ask this. What's prompting your tears recently? What have you been crying out over? If not, why not? There's a lot to cry about. What path are you on? Is it a path that's definitely headed to the rock? Or is it just wondering? Are you following someone who's been there? Including the one who's invited you in? Is there something you need to let go of to get to the rock? See, when I went with my brother, one, we had to swim to shore, so I wasn't going to take much with me. The other thing is to climb up that rock to get to the top. I couldn't have anything on me or in my hands because it would have interfered getting to the rock. Do you have anything that you need to let go of so you can get there? Anything you need to unpack so you can settle in? Anything. That you need to say, Lord, take this because I'm yours. 
I want to settle in your presence. I want you to be my refuge and my strength. Because when he is, oh, the dark times still happen. The tears still fall. But now we know we have one who is our strength. We have one who is our refuge. We have one who gives us shelter. What do you need to do today to get to the rock? Let's pray. Before I pray, with your heads bowed, I'm just curious. There are some of you that would say, Pastor, there's been a lot of stuff that has made me cry out recently. And I need some extra prayer to let go of something, to be willing to settle in, to follow the right path, to give up control, whatever it may be. And this morning you just say, would you pray extra so that I can settle on the rock? Would you just raise your hand for a moment? Whatever you're facing or facing for someone else. God bless you, many of you, man. Our Father, I am so grateful for the power of your presence and your spirit. I am so grateful that you can be the strength that I don't have. You can be enough for whatever I'm facing. And Father, I pray for everyone here and especially those who just raised their hand that you would be what they need for whatever's overwhelming their soul. That you would be exactly what they need and they would recognize it for whatever is creating their tears. Lord, may they have courage to let go May they have courage to take the next right step in following you. May they have courage to admit whatever the issue is. Lord, I pray that they would feel your presence, your arms, your strength, your compassion. And Father, this week, may we seek to show that to others as well. Give us eyes and ears and hearts that are sensitive to the needs of those around us. May we lift one another up and may we reach out to some who don't even acknowledge you because you are our rock, higher than us, a strong tower that gives shelter and refuge. Lord, you are enough. Help us to settle in to you. In Jesus' name, I plead for these things. Amen.